good evening, good morning, whatever time of day it is you're listening. Uh, welcome to Four Blades in the pub. Not in the pub as ever, but we're on Zoom and all four of us are present and quora, which is great. And we're going to continue our summer series of putting players into our tournament squad. And uh, obviously I said we're quora, so obviously here tonight to join me, I've got uh, Dan. Evening everyone. Got Phil. Good evening. And just finished his mouthful of his tea, John. Good evening. Saved you for last, mate. Thank you um, very much. And I like the fact it's now called a summer series. Oh, well, it's <laughs> it a was. Commitment. It started as a summer series last summer. Yeah. <laughs> We're committed to getting this done. And uh, well, as, yeah, as part of this commitment to you, our faithful listener, um, we're looking to put two players into our tournament squad tonight, but it seemed quite apt uh, given uh, recent events, shall we say, at Bramall Lane and the announcement of the retained list that two players that we all had on our long list to put into the squad uh, left the club. So tonight we'll have a sort of two-parter uh, where we'll look to put two of those players who aren't currently in the squad. And there's a clue there because there is players, there's at least one player who's left who we've already put into the squad, um, will be put in tonight. And so I think to kick off, first of all, we'll put in probably a centre-back who, in my eyes, could, well, I say could, he should have made the England squad uh, if it wasn't for injury. Uh, could probably because Southgate would never pick anyone outside of his uh, favoured clubs, which for a man who played for a load of mid, mid-table Premier League teams is uh, a bit of a nonsense. But um, so tonight, we're going to first one we're going to put in is Jack O'Connell. And who wants to kick us off? I'll go if you want. I think yep. I, I don't. I don't know what everybody else's recollection was when we first signed O'Connell, but my my first reaction was I'd honestly never heard of him. Um, obviously, seeing he'd played locally on loan at Rotherham, I believe, and captained Rochdale at a reasonably young age and come through a, a decent academy at Blackburn, kind of gave me a little bit of hope that that we were signing somebody with a bit of pedigree and calibre, only for them scrubbers at the other side of the city that, to then show a video where he got mugged off by one of their players when the ball hit him on the back of the on the back as as uh, as a Brentford player. And I think it was Forestieri ran through and scored. But I mean he, he kind of shoved that down their throats and then some with what he did over the next three three seasons or so. And 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 you're right, Ian, I mean, should have played for England. I think arguably the first season that we were in the Premier League. He performed high enough at that point to possibly get a call and, and didn't. And had it not been for injury, I'm certain, despite Southgate's favouring clubs that he, that he clearly does, I, I think he would have got a call up. I'm, I'm fairly sure of it. I think I think any football fan should be wary of putting too much into YouTube videos because we've, we've been bitten on the backside with potential signings and the great... Michael Higdon, I remember. Michael Higdon's had some <laughs> beauties that he's... <laughs> Yeah. My, my first recollection of O'Connell was he looked he looked decidedly shaky in the first few games we signed him. He he got caught under the ball a lot. He, he, I'm fairly sure. Did he give the penalty away at Millwall in the last minute or a late penalty to, to cost us a game at Millwall? And he looked really shaky at first and we were all thinking, what have we signed? But then that move obviously to that overlapping left side centre-half 
because you know it's he's like you were saying, Phil, he should have got an England cap, but in a back three, there's not many centre halves could do what he could do with actually with the ball, as in drive forward with the ball. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. And he would have got, I'm sure he would have got an England cap and, and he probably would have got a would have got a big move as well, I think. I think if he'd have carried on the way he did, he would have at least been linked with some some very good clubs out there. I think even the best left-sided centre-back might have looked a bit shaky with Chris Hussey the other side of him. Although he seemed to have re- re- got a new lease of life in the recent playoffs when they were describing the quality of the ball he puts in. Uh, but I mean, that's, too. that's long been since the narrative around that fucking idiot. <laughs> he was fucking dog shit. It's all right, you can cross. You can't defend. You need to. Yeah. I, 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 think, I, I, think, I think that probably played a part, like you say, in those early games, Dan. You know, I, I, I'm with Dan on taking us, though, 100%. And one thing I don't think he ever got is he had this habit of the ball was over his head when he was turning he didn't always look overly comfortable in that transition. And I think in the Millwall game, that's how he gave the penalty away. I almost... But when it on ball, did he get, was it on ball late on? I can't remember. I just remember him conceding a late penalty, but I can't remember what the, the actual offence was. We'll have, to, we'll have to give it really well researched as always, but we'll give it a... But I seem to remember him being in a bit of an awkward position anyway. But it was one of those, I think, like a lot of... A lot of um, a lot of those players that and that team that went up. I didn't have much to do the other day, so I watched a video which I'm not going to mention because I'm going to talk about it later. And O'Connell was in. Well, I mentioned it, but not by name. O'Connell was in a lot of the uh, like the action I watched, if you will. And um, really, not sure where you're going with this. Is this is this his career post football? He played himself into being very quickly. Oh, a football well, video. Sorry. Yeah, not a porno. Jesus. I'm, not, it was no, really no, Sharps, 100, all these goals for United an hour. I watched them all. Ah. And, and there was, and, and as we kicked on as a team, O'Connell was increasingly important in that. And, um, and although, like, he, he didn't like, he didn't blow anyone's skirt up when we signed him. I mean, I think to say that he was one of the biggest reasons we got relegated for his absence was one of the biggest reasons we had the shocking second season in the Premier League and got relegated in the fashion we did. And only through being forced to play Jack Robinson there for so long now, we've got someone who looks moderately comfortable there. Like he was he was everything about every everything we were about, O'Connell personified. He was committed, strong. He just the desire and and obviously the that athleticism to get up and down like that. We're not talking about like a and no disrespect to him, but like a Harry Maguire walk forward up the pitch where he almost can't believe that he's got another 20 yards to run into and then another 20 yards to run into. This like purposeful direct running. And uh, yeah, he was, was clever with his running as well, though. Uh, there's one, one thing that always I, I was going to kind of ask: what, what's your abiding memory of him? And, and obviously, the goals that's something that the goal against it, which is something that a lot of people will say. But I can't remember. It might have been Sharp. He set up a goal once where he he overlapped around the outside of of whoever was playing left back. It must have been Stevens at that point. But the way he made his run, he kind of came inside and then checked himself and ran round the outside of of the of the left back. Really, really purposefully, you could clear. You could clearly take, see that he'd got an understanding of that position and how to stretch defenses 
And it's not the sort of thing you really hear of from a centre half that could that could make those runs in a purposeful way to to influence attacks in the way that he did. It was it was staggering, really. You're on mute, Ian, by the way. It's a hard thing to coach into a player, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's, it's got to be something that they find a way to do naturally. And I think that's the thing. You can say we, we, we clearly scouted well, albeit were we going to, were we, we weren't planning on playing, I guess, three at the back when we signed him. But it, the way he then evolved into that role, and actually there's an argument that says that Bashing was probably a more natural, given he's played midfield, he covered at fullback. Bashing was more natural in that back and forth. I think O'Connell surpassed him in that, and I think the, the quality was better down that left side. For me, anyway, and I know we can argue Freeman was free scoring and you know contributing a lot down that right hand side, but I think that was more with Freeman. I think the link up between the two down the left, particularly with O'Connell and Stevens, was was of extremely high quality. Not not to be that guy, but obviously in League One when Freeman did do all that, it was Lafferty who was playing with O'Connell on the left, wasn't yeah. it? So. But I think I thought Lafferty was a tremendous left back. To be fair, though he did at that, at that level, he was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Lafferty's fucking quality. What yeah. O'Connell did and how he how he how he took to that role so easily. It's kind of it's like a microcosm of those seasons under Wilder and that kind of that almost like catching lightning in a bottle period where you've got these players who you're asking to play roles they've not always played and, and um, a style they've not always played. And so many of them, it was so important that so many of them took to those roles really easy. So again, Basham and O'Connell, neither of them had played, they'd obviously played, they played centre-half, neither of them had played this overlapping centre-half. Norwood had obviously been a midfield orchestrator, but never done that role where he was dropping in, coming short and... And, and the players around him were rotating into position. Duffy had always been a winger. He'd suddenly taken to that position as that kind of roving number number 10, if you like, and everything just clicked. And O'Connell's a massive part of that. If if one part, that, that team was so dependent on the system rather than the individual, that if one of these players hadn't played that role to perfection, game in, game out, the, the system wouldn't have worked. And it's it's so important that O'Connell especially took to that role so easy and that being able to get round players and like you said, Phil, not just running forward in a straight line and hoofing the odd crossing, actually running, having kind of making off the ball runs that you'd expect a central midfielder to make, that, that, that sort of standard run. And it's it's so important that it, I don't think it can be under understated how important it is that everyone got the role perfectly and everyone just landed in that in that in that role perfectly. And I think it's a testament as well to how well they were coached at that time. And, you you know, it only takes a couple of players to start being like, well, I've been listening, like, I'm listening to the manager and the coaching staff and I can see my game improving. Players all talk to each other about sessions and what they're being asked to do inevitably, won't they? So, yeah, it was, as you described, catching something in a bottle, Dan. It was, a, it was like the perfect marriage and... I don't think, maybe we will, we won't for a very long time. I don't think we'll see is have a side where we have so many players who are so like married to the system and how the system is what makes us a collectively better unit than 
any individual. See, like O'Connell's one of the biggest like cogs in that machine by country mile, but he like. I don't think if you ask the majority of people, they'd say ever O'Connell was the best player, but he was he was certainly one of the most important. Like, and and obviously talk about the drop off. He actually played a couple of games, didn't he, at the start of that season? And it turned out he was he was playing with injury when we got when we ended up getting relegated in the end. So has it ever been confirmed what the injury was? I know it was a knee injury, but it's never been confirmed whether it was a meniscus, an ACL. A, there's never been a confirmation as to what the injury was, has there? As far as, as, far as I'm aware. I, I think you're right. I think I've heard rumours that he was misdiagnosed and, and he was asked to play on for a period of time when it should have been treated. But in yeah. terms of it, like you say, being announced exactly what the injury was, no, I don't, I don't think it ever has. No. Yeah, it's all. If you look at any any sort of reports on it, it's a knee injury. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's kept as general as that. Really vague, isn't it? There's you hear all sorts of rumours about that period of time, like miss, like players having misdiagnosed injuries and stuff. There was apparently something to do with Luke Freeman was absolutely furious about something that had gone wrong for him, and he puts that down to why it never worked out for him at United. I mean, he's not gone on to. Be any great shakes anywhere else to be fair, but like I mean, being a stone and a half overweight's probably not help, probably didn't help his case. But you know, we can, I'm none of us are in a position to point fingers in that general. I mean, Dan, I don't think you're a stone and a <laughs> half overweight, mate, but I certainly am about I'll have your stone and a half. I'm at least three stone overweight, and as I'm enjoying this burger, I've just cooked on my barbecue this evening, but um, yeah, it's it, it just a shame that obviously. Yeah, his contract's up, but it's we haven't seen him play now for getting on for three years, and and that's from being someone who was on the verge of an England call up to that. He's it's really it's just a real sad end. Well, you expect to be an end to their football career. I think he was interviewed in one of the games on Sky towards the end of the season. He said he wanted to play again. Whether that's Back in Liverpool with his mates, I don't know, but I'd be, I'd be real. I mean, it's far for us to surmise what's going to happen, but I'd be really surprised if he ever played again. Too much has happened; it's too long. Three years is is just it's, it's I mean, it's it's a quarter of your career in some cases, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it, it, I mean, it's just it is just devastating. I don't think at the time when we, we knew we'd miss him, but I never, I don't think any of us assumed he'd be out. And probably ended his career, and that's that's just the frightening thing of something that probably didn't seem. Because again, it was just one of those things that was announced, wasn't it? Well, he's, O'Connell's got a knee injury; it's actually yeah. quite serious. The training ground thing was it Henderson? Was it was it a clash with Henderson in training? A, a, obviously, an accidental clash with, with Henderson in training. Yeah, I think it was. I'm sure. That's, I'm sure. That's yeah. what I mean. It's innocuous kind of thing. We never have actually replaced him, have we? We've got someone in who does an adequate job in in terms of um, Jack Robinson, but he's not. He's not. He's never going to. He's never even close to the level that, that O'Connell was, is he? He kind of he, he does a good, steady job. He defends well, and he he's better on the ball than he started out. But he's not. He's still never stepped up to anything like the sort of level that O'Connell was showing um, before his injury, has he? I think there's an argument to say Robinson's similar standard defensively to O'Connell. He's not 
obviously the physical monster as what what O'Connell was when he when he was at his pomp. But it, what made O'Connell different was how good he was going forward. Yeah. Yes, he was a good defender, but it was how much he influenced the team at the other end of the pitch that that made him stand out. I, I was going to say, I was going to say we were underplaying his defensive side here because of how solid he was. But it's interesting that you got this perception. I've probably got this perception that we were quite solid defensively, certainly before you know going into the Premier League, first Premier League season, and obviously the attacking element of the defence. You know, was was the case like you say that that extra the extra factor really, but we weren't that tight of defence. We're looking back. No, we conceded goals. Yeah, I, I'm not. I wasn't criticising O'Connell defensively. No, no. By the way, I'm more more a case of I think Robinson's an ably good defender. Yeah, he just doesn't add that other bit that Rob that that made O'Connell different. Yeah, and O'Connell also what puts Robinson and O'Connell apart. Well, two things I say: O'Connell's much quicker over twelve yards. And I'd also say that I can't think of many times where O'Connell's like got a bit of ill discipline, or I can only actually think of once where he got away with it. I remember it vividly. If you first season in the Prem, played Arsenal, and it was a stonewall penalty on Pepe. I do not know how with VAR it was given, but that was just clipping someone. I can't actually remember people like tearing into him at all. Um, and I, I think he was part of like, particularly when we were in the championship and Egan arrived, the defence just became a collective strength. And then ultimately when we got promoted, was it the most clean sheets by a uh, promoted team? don't know if that's still the record. Obviously, he's a massive part of that. <clears throat> there was 20, well... Wes did all right and clean sheets this season, but I think when we got promoted, Henderson had 22. So, like, I, we wouldn't get there if Jack O'Connor wasn't a good defender as well as, like, a positive attacking player. Um, but, like, I think I think what sets him apart from anyone else in this squad and why he was such a sort of essential, essential addition is just, like, he's... Like the ability to play this as this like inverted center half wing back type, it just it he's like he's the blueprint for it because you've you've got the pace, you've got the power, and ultimately like technically pretty handy as well. For twelve months, it was basically fifty percent of the best left sided defensive partnership in the Premier League, weren't it? And I know that and that that might sound a bit hyperbolic, but I'm struggling to think of a, a pair as in a left-sided centre-half and a, and a left-back or left-wing-back, who were better than those two over that season. There's an argument to say that Robertson was possibly better than Stevens. You know, you could probably get a fag paper between them. But as a pairing, I don't think there's any... I don't think there was a pair better than them for that for that first season, that, that, I, um, that ninth and, and, season. And some of that comes down to... Not taking away again, but something about that comes back to the balance and that flex roll down that left side. Like I said, yeah, the could play between yeah, the three of them as well. Not, not just the two of them, but obviously Flake's got a role to play in front of them there. And yeah, I mean, I think back to games. Was it Burnley? The goals against Burnley? Several, you know, down that left side. It was. It was just so, yeah. so prominent down that left side. The way yeah, it was, I think all, did all three goals in, against Burnley come down that left yeah. side? They did, didn't they? Yeah. I, I suppose the other thing with um, 
O'Connell is. You, you sort of get these songs about players and you get the cult, cult heroes coming out of it. But often the cult heroes are perhaps the undervalued or the they're not so great players, but, you know, they give it all. But, you know, to go down to Milton Keynes at the end of that League One season, and I don't know how many people were wearing Wizards hats. <laughs> and, and the fact that, you know, a, a foam brick came out of the away end and they were chucking it up for him to head in front of the fans. You know, they're things I'll remember as much as stuff on the pitch because there was, again, it's of that moment. It was obviously we were, we were getting out of League One brilliant um we were doing it in front of a, a you know a heaving away end crazy day and yeah just 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 that togetherness and that that ability to just you know run with something that you know a song about it yeah maybe someone should ask him if he enjoys that song about him if they ever get the chance i think um dan you 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 posted the day that the announcement was done about the Sharp thing. It's not necessarily sad about Sharp going because yeah. it was... It's, an, it's a natural it, conclusion. And it felt like the right time for Sharp. And, yeah. and O'Connell is the exact opposite. We, we've been deprived of the best years of arguably one of the best players we've seen in our lifetime as a Sheffield yeah. United, as a Sheffield United player. Yeah. And that that is really sad. And it's sad for him. It's sad for us as fans. And it, it is a real shame for for it to have ended the way it has and, and ended for him the way it has because he was really bloody good. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that, yeah that, that, that's exactly right. Like I said, this is not a it's not a natural conclusion to a career with a club, is it? You know, not playing for three years because of injury, then just being released. And just kind of disappearing off into the ether. It's just, it, it just, it, like I say, it feels a bit, uh, well, it feels unfair is probably the word. And it, uh, as bad as we feel about it, like you say, he must, unless, unless he's learned to, to kind of make his peace with it, he must kind of lay in bed at night thinking, why me? It's one of those, isn't it? Three years is, is quite a length of time to, to you know, and maybe, like you say, maybe he has. I mean, in fairness, he's um, he's looked after himself. He's in the shape room. Jesus yeah, Christ! He looks like a he looks like a middleweight. He looks like a middleweight, doesn't he? Yeah, middleweight with no knees. It's interesting. <laughs> he said, "I'm now looking forward to the next chapter in that statement, the club issue." Maybe just see what that chapter is. I mean, you'd, you'd like to think in, a, in an ideal world, and and you know, with a little nod towards sentiment, that he comes back to United as. Head of strength and conditioning, or or something like that, and stays, you know, stays with the club in that sort of uh, in that sort of capacity. You know, like what, like what, like what, two, like when we had Tony Daly, and he was he was like a strength and conditioning coach, weren't he? Something like that. I mean, he looks to me like someone who's going to go into like professional CrossFit or something like that. Wait, wasn't he when he first signed for us? Wasn't he studying a degree in? Some sort of sports, science sports and exercise science or something yeah. like that. So he's obviously he's obviously got the the qualifications behind him. It, it wouldn't surprise me if he cropped up somewhere in that kind of role, mm. without a shadow of a doubt. But always will always be welcome, it, and always yeah. get a cheer. It's a shame. It's a shame he's not had. You know, I think you know he's come on, come out with a team and stuff, and that final game of the season. But I think we all knew that night when the players came out that. That was that, but yeah, 
it'd be nice for him to get him back for a proper send off at some point. Definitely, yeah. So I think the, the last sort of couple of minutes we brought the sort of tone down a little bit about the sad side of things, and I, I touched on it earlier. Go, go around the four of you, what, or the three of you. What would you say is your best memory of O'Connell, Ian? I, I kind of I, I, there's an obvious one, and I'll not go there. I, I still think that still on the away end at Milton Keynes for me personally, celebrating Ed, Edin Bricks. Edin Bricks, you know, everyone around there wearing, well, I say everyone, you know, a, a large number of people wearing various forms of magic hats. Um, just, you know, spoke volumes of how he was looked at by United fans. So I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll offer that. Yeah, what a day that was. Dan? Uh, I'm struggling to look beyond the goal. O'Connell coming in, forget the maths. I'm, I'm struggling to look beyond that. There are, there, obviously, there's, there's, Great bits of defending, and, and there's other goals, and there's other assists, and like Ian says, there's the the cult hero side of things. But I, I'm, I don't see how you can look beyond that, you know, to to for that goal to be the one that kind of finally cements us getting back up after all those years. Um, the fact that it's now accompanied that it's accompanied by a bit of kind of iconic blades commentary that's up there with, you know, a quality goal by a quality player and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'm struggling to look beyond that. And it's also the goal that led me to kissing John on the lips when we when we saw him outside ground. So, I mean, how could that not be? It wasn't just a kiss on the lips, though, was it? You came at me through the air. So I had to, like, catch you. And you sort of, like... It was like the scene from a rom-com when the couple finally get together. It was magic. Yeah, if we'd have done it, if we'd have done it in, in like a crowded airport or a railway station or something like that, it would have been even more romantic. But you no, know, we'll, settle, big... we'll settle for outside Burger Van at the corner of... Uh, <laughs> corner of Bramall Lane. Next to BP Garage, yeah. It's <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the goal was amazing. Like, that weekend, it, I think, did some permanent damage to me, to be fair, but, like, it was amazing. <laughs> Mental damage. Well... <laughs> You got me out of bed on that Sunday, and the rest is history. It's like it's like more common wise. Mm. <laughs> Dan kissed me on the lips. Phil got me out of bed. Yeah, but, uh, it was wor- it was worth it though for what happened for the rest of that day, wasn't it? Absolutely. Jack wasn't drinking though, was he? He wasn't. No. Somebody who looks after himself. Definitely not. What about you, Phil? What's your? Uh... It, I mean, like I said, I, I touched on earlier that it's just that. I think it was Sharp's opener against Derby, that header that kind of creeped in at the far post, where O'Connell over he kind of underlapped and then overlapped, and and it's just a, an abiding memory I've got of him, and he did that kind of run quite frequently. That we, I don't I don't think we'll ever see a centre half can do that like that ever again, and that that's kind of my overriding memory of him. The scary thing is we took it for granted. We did, yeah. 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 Yeah, it became that that regular. You kind of just took it for granted. That's what would happen, and that that in itself speaks volumes for the quality of the quality. It's of the strange game. that it never became the O'Connell role. Like you had the Basham role, but you never had the O'Connell role. That's true. Does that does it not just, yeah. does it just trip off the tongue? As, uh, as I think it. the I think the Basham one is because we all we've been guilty of it. Oh, we're going to have to replace Basham. We're going to have to replace Basham. I don't think people ever were thinking that we'd be trying to replace yeah. O'Connell. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Fairness, that's, a good, that's a good shout. Basham was always the one that we were going to have to uh, 
upgrade and no one ever thought we'd have to he, upgrade O'Connell, did they? He should have played, he, well, he should. He would have been playing, hopefully, for us, he would have been another 120-odd games, better off, minimum, yeah. by now. So, um, my overriding memory is just, it, I'd say it's, it's sort of piggybacking on yours a bit, Ian, but it's, it's, it's the song and the scenes at the end of that season when we got out of League One, that you'd be on London Road. So I remember when we got back from Northampton, Ian, that night, and we went in the Albion, and I can't remember his name, lovely bloke who always dressed like in Peaky Blinders, the landlord, Andy, and just be on the bar. And I remember him ringing the bell, and he was like, my, my mate Jack had a magic hat, and then everybody in the pub just started singing it. And obviously, like that period of time and that promotion and what it meant after such a shit time in League One. And and deep down, ultimately, with O'Connell and a few other of those players, we knew we had some really decent players and we'd not had very good footballers playing for United for probably about seven or eight years, consistently a good team of players. And we had some, and they were the right age. And yeah, it was exciting. And the song was how joyous he was so there we are I think one way to end end a little bit about O'Connell is he was always going to do well can you remember who he replaced McEverly <laughs> yeah <laughs> fucking hell there we are talking about Phil is the Phil second part of the pod not Jim McEverly in the World Cup squad is that, is that <laughs> it's anyone puts him forward I, I can't believe you. List. Am, am, I, am, I, am I one on my own am I a lone voice well I think I think and we did we talk about we didn't talk about this on air? I think we talked about this in person. But we're going to definitely do a one standalone pod of the shittest twenty-three players to play for United. And tell you what, just like that, cunt Adkins, who can be the manager, Jay, who you were part of his stupid leadership team, you're going straight in because you were fucking dreadful. Sorry <laughs> if you're listening to this, but I doubt he is. He won't ever again now, will he? Anyway, there you go. Magic. Well, we'll yeah. magic. That we'll was. It was magic, and we'll be back in part two with another addition to the squad. Who could it be? So, welcome back. We've had a little bit of a longer break than we intended to. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, hopefully, we don't. Uh, you don't notice that when you're listening to the pod, but we uh, we struggle getting back into Zoom after a few minutes, but we're here eventually. Um, part one, obviously, putting Jack O'Connell into our World Cup squad. There was always a place for another forward in our World Cup squad, and we've deliberately held off thinking that this might happen. And there's no better time to spend a little bit of time waxing lyrical about our greatest ever goal scorer. I think that's fair to say. Richard Creswell. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Connor Salmon, Dan. <laughs> Billy Sharp, who wants to go first? Um, I don't mind starting us off. It's for me with Sharp. It's you dream as a fan when you're younger of playing for the club to go on and win promotion three times, score well over 100 goals, captain the club, have your name sung pretty much from the moment you 
you make your first team debut, um, be part of various successful teams. He's not only live, he's the epitome of living the dream when it comes to a football fan. It's, it's been a pleasure to watch him score all those goals. And I just think we're probably not quite ready for how weird it's going to feel that he's not part of the team yet when the season starts. So I was really positive and then I sounded really bleak. But yeah, Sharp's just amazing. He he did it. He, he lived the dream for Sheffield United fans. Is he yeah, I think living the dream? You, you you ticked every box there that, that I were going to say what what he's achieved and and being a fan that used to sit on the cop and obviously there's the the picture that that Luke's done recently that that encaptures that kind of young boy in a blade shirt and for him to go on and do what he's done and and almost also for it to end the way it has like like we touched on in the first part it's almost perfect in a way he's gone out on a blaze of glory all right and at the greatest of seasons but. He's he hasn't. To the he's he's punching yeah, he to the season. It's not like he's not done anything, is it? No, not at all. He's definitely contributed, probably more in in his football than clearly the goals he scored because he hasn't scored that many this year. But he's still as as a team player, which is something I think he's got better and better at as he's as he's been here for the last seven or eight years. He's become a better footballer, and and that's probably where his contribution's been more so this year and, and bringing some of the younger players through by his, by his example that he sets. And he's probably ended up playing more than any of us anticipated he would this season. And, you know, I think that, because he hasn't probably scored at the same rate as he has done in previous seasons, let's be honest, everyone wrote him off going into the Premier League. I say, uh, everyone, listen, not I, fans, you know. Yeah, we, I'll, be, we, I'll be completely honest, Ian, going back even further, I was a touch disappointed when we signed him. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I, I think I remember me and you and having a conversation about it at the time, Dan. It were a couple of things. He'd not had the greatest of spells for his previous two, two or three clubs. He didn't do much at Leeds. He didn't do a lot at Reading. Forest. He didn't really do much either. It always left a bit of a funny sour taste in my mouth the way he celebrated scoring for Doncaster in front of the United fans and and the the, the way that he kind of can't blame him for it, but the way he celebrated kind of just made me feel like some blade sort of thing wrongly, obviously. But, oh, Christ, how he proved me wrong. No, oh, 100%. I mean, it's like, there's always that feeling when the player comes back for a third spell with the club. It's that kind of, it, it's a it's a United signing on sentimentality and bladiness. And, that, and that's just being honest, like you say, yeah. at the time. But, you know, we, and we'd had false starts. You know, it, that I, I remember one of my memories is the hat trick against QPR. Perfect yeah. hat trick. Yeah. Header, right foot, left foot, albeit left foot was from about a yard out. They all <laughs> count. All count. Um, and he never really kicked on that season. You know, and so it's one of these. We knew there was a player there. We'd just not seen it fully in the in the two spells he had with United. He really struggled that second spell when he came back under Robson yeah. initially. He really he struggled to get going, didn't he? Um, yeah. I remember I remember a game in front of the cop and I think he went through one-on-one with the keeper, put the ball past the keeper and probably should have followed it in. And James Beattie ended up following it in 
trying to let the ball go in and the defender ended up clearing it because Beattie was obviously that desperate for any other time. Beattie would have just followed it in and tapped it in from five or six yards into an empty net and he was that desperate for Sharp to score. He was trying to let the ball roll in and the defender ended up clearing it. And that I think it just showed how desperate they were for him to, to kind of get off the mark. Um, and like I say, he got that hat-trick against QPR. But then, obviously, when Robson went, Blackwell tried to, Blackwell tried to turn him into a... Into like a, he had him running channels and stuff like that, didn't he? He had him kind of chasing, he had him chasing balls into corner and just not. Blackwell never took to him. I, I, I can't remember who it was that someone I know used to sit behind kind of behind the, the United dugout, and I think he said Blackwell one game put sharp on a sub, and go, he was chasing up and down, and Blackwell was fucking berating him, just berating him every time he did anything. Fucking and, and to the point where beating. Apparently wandered over to the bench and went, fucking leave him alone, you cunt. Because Blackwell was just hammering sharp. But that's what Blackwell did, wasn't it? You were yeah, the players. That, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was Blackwell's MO, wasn't it? Just shout, 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 and shout again. Because I always remember going back to going back to like think listening to Under the Cosh, and I think it was Glenn Little, who we obviously had under Blackwell. And he's like, Yeah, well, he's always there. Always quite complicated when a goalkeeper's trying to teach you how to play on the wing. Uh, <laughs> Bill, don't listen to him. But like, uh, word. <laughs> but like, I, I, I don't know. Blackwell, that's the podcast in itself. Fucking oh. Um, I mean, I'll, but I'll we be honest, when, when we sold Sharp in that period to donate, I don't think anyone was particularly. I think people were obviously a bit upset that it had not worked out for him, you know, like you said, the, the blade coming home. But I don't think anyone was particularly upset that we were selling him because we thought he was that good a player, didn't we, at the time? I think we thought, you know, we tried. He's scored a lot for Scunthorpe. He obviously can't do it at championship level. Put his losses, sell him to Donny. But can't I mean, when he came back, it was, I think the thing that gave me hope we'd see something different was that he was playing with Adam Fradkins, wasn't he? when he mm. came back and that at least yeah. you knew there was a manager there who knew how to get the best out of Sharp and for that season I can't remember who the player of the season was but for he my money it must have been Sharp because he was the one he player who I contributed yeah. he won everything so I think Wilder said that about well, him when he talked about why he gave him captain well, you see I, I, I'd say that but me and Phil went and run a, a stupidly half, mar- half marathon in Leeds rather than watch Atkins last game in charge so um, at the end of that season, I kind of, I kind of not fallen out of love with United, but I just kind of just got really frustrated by it was just one shambles to another. Um, so I had I had blanked. I just remember Sharp was the one bright light in a season of dirge. It was peak. It was peak shit. <laughs> I believe I, Phil. I believe our mate Shaxx described him as a shiny pound coin in a pile of dog shit. <laughs> Sounds like shacks. <laughs> yeah, but then obviously he like. One thing, do you think? Sorry, John. Do you think making him captain was the making of him? I think hundred percent. Yeah, and I think it was. I think it was a gamble as well. I think it was a risk because, I mean, you know, there's a there's a, a you know, the the proper football man's thinking that strikers don't make good captains because a the not always facing the right way. They're always looking forward rather than back. They're quite selfish by nature. So I think there was a bit of 
you know what this is you know the when the the there were one or two other probably more suitable candidates at the time I think it was a bit of a, a bit of a gamble, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it's absolutely been the making of him. Yeah, I think uh, I think with one thing I was was just going to say before was how I think it's when he was at Donny and stuff. Like the bloke went through quite a lot of like personal upheaval. That like for somebody who hadn't got more. Uh, like those, like I'm trying to articulate this and give it like the poignancy. Right. So losing your son, like that obviously happened to him. He, 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 he got on with his life and went on to achieve. Whereas things like that can happen to people and it can completely destroy them. And if it does destroy you, no disrespect to you for doing that, but it's, it's testament to Sharp's like determination and strength of character, I think, and and the bloke that he is. Um, I just wanted to. I was going to say that before, but we obviously talked about piles of dog shit with coins in and stuff. Uh, but we like. I just think he's clearly uh, like he's he's a top bloke, he's a strong character, and he's he's yeah. obviously got a strong character. He's, he's he's got a strong spirit. He's he's a he's a big personality. You can see that the way he is on the pitch. I think things like that they either I think they either crush you or you or, or they, you use them to kind of build back up from don't you and he's he's obviously done the, the latter and you talk about that kind of mark of a man I think when he on his leaving statement for want of a better word that was that was published by the club the fact he thanked everyone from the the tea ladies to the ball boys to the anyone in the backroom staff. There was a list of, you know, roles, and it wasn't just the footballing roles. You know, he 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 as club captain. He saw it as a as a role that wasn't just about the pitch. It was about the club. And now, I and think I think, I think that helps him being obviously it helps him being a fan and passionate about the success of the club. But I think you know it's rare you get people actually just taking that step back. You know, end of a career like, but end of a career at United like it's hard to to think about beyond just the teammates, the manager, the coaches, and the fans, and recognise there's a lot more to put a club together. I, I I think speaks volumes. I think that was central to why Wilder made him captain because those previous years there was no, even when Sharp was there, there was. Like we we spoke about it at length, we were we were sort of at odds with the players. So yeah. whereas, like he's he was like while it was almost like the perfect marriage, Wilder as the manager was going to bring that sort of connection, and that was central to what he wanted to do, probably more so than actually winning games and getting promoted. That he wanted to make the club more harmonious again, didn't he? And so having someone like Sharp there, I mean, at the time, I wasn't overly made up that he was captain. I think at that time, I would probably would have had Basham as captain, which now just seems like a ridiculous idea. I think but, at the time, everyone, I think everyone was plumping for Brayford because, again, he was this character, weren't he? Oh, God, yeah. He but, was it turned, but, it, but it turns... But if you look at it, it turns out that all Brayford's character seems to be on the outside, if you like, you know, that it, it, it's all, I think a lot of it is possibly a, a bit superficial and for sure that the long hair, the beard, the tattoos, whereas Sharps obviously isn't, he has got the, 
you know, he has, he's proved that he's a good captain. You know, the, the players he's played with can't speak highly enough of him mm. as, as a player, a, a captain and a, and a bloke. So I think it's interesting that we've been talking for, what, 15 minutes about Billy Sharp. We've barely touched on him on the pitch yet, which is a, a mark of him as a, as a, as a man, I think, mm. for what for what he's done outside of the game, but taking it back onto the onto the pitch, he scored about a million goals in in the last six or seven years as well, <laughs> which is which has been a massive contribution as to why we are where we are and why we have been where we have been for the last few years and the success relative success that we've had. Got, I think, us, I think, over, got us over the line so many times by getting the goal in those narrow games. Where if you're going to be successful, in your in the 80th minute, you need your talisman to take the chance when he gets it. And he often has done that for us so, so many times. Like just, and, and that's a captain as well. Like just getting, getting us over the line. Absolutely brilliant. Sorry, Ian. No, I was, I was going to, I was only going to make a joke comment that Phil, Phil's use of about a million goals just was backing up our point about it was not doing research before we come on air. <laughs> Anyway, it, it just it, it seemed like you felt we were going to score every week, though, didn't it? That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. If Sharp, Sharp's on the on the team sheet, you know that we've got a good chance because he's likely to score. And obviously, he didn't score every week because no player does. But I think his record's been phenomenal, and and some of the goals like like John, John just touched on some of the goals have been so vitally important I, I think back to the um the, the the Norwich goal he scored late on in I think was it the first season no it was the season we went up yeah under Wilder yeah late goals um there was one in the there was one in the league one championship season where it was getting a little bit tight and we scored a late winner somewhere I can't remember where it was where would it have been well, he turned away, away game. He scored a last minute header. I can't remember where it was, but any like I say research is it? Yes, it was Peterborough. I did do the research. I watched all the goals the other day, and uh, he's got it. Peterborough because Hansen headed it across. That's and it, right. And I've got like a massive dint in my left leg. I think he's fully from that afternoon. About four rows behind, like the best view. I couldn't have had a better view of it going in. Uh, but also that season. He scored despite all the bollocks that were going off against Scunthorpe and Bolton at home. Like in, in those big games, he really was important for us in that getting out of that division. Scored the winner at Coventry as well around Christmas. That when game, was, where they were, that game where they were blowing whistles and throwing shit on the pitch and stuff yeah. like that. And um, scored both goals in that game. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, think which is which will be your favourite goal. I know mine. Uh, I know mine. <laughs> Come back to me then. I'll have a think. Mine. I, I've got mine, but I'll like, go and you go first, I'm, John. I'm going to... Little caveat. Annoyingly, he never scored against Wednesday, isn't it? That's a shame. That's that's a blemish. But yeah, maybe. favourite yeah. one is... just It's just technically magnificent. It's the, it's the volley um, against Leeds after about a minute. That's that that that's mine and that's mine as well. <laughs> it's just I don't. I think it's a goal that's probably better than his general technique is. We still put it in like phenomenal and watching it back. Don Goodman's actually like 
really nice about us. So something happened in the last four years to Don. Because uh, he was like, oh, Nick my him, God. Nick nobbed his wife. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you see, you've gone with that theory. I was going to say, didn't Don Goodman play for Bradford? So perhaps he doesn't like Leeds as... Uh, he's, he's, he's a Leeds fan. Us. Don Goodman's yeah. a Leeds United fan, yeah. Go on, Ian, what's yours? My, mine was going to be that, but I could probably name another. The, I mean, that's the, the best one, isn't it? So That's like, the best one. Mm. I think for a, for what it meant, and I might be stealing Phil Sunday here, it's going to be the first goal back in the Premier League. Yeah, I was going to say the same. Well, me and you were watching Phil. it. No, me and you were watching it in the Banner Cross, weren't we? Yeah. And I, I don't think I don't think I've ever heard a roof go off in a pub like that before. It was just, and it had to be him, didn't it? It just had to be him. Yeah. Shit Scru- house of a goal, scruffy little shindy. Should never have got to him in the first place. I think that that moment sort of was lift off to a season that I can't have. I don't think any blade could have imagined how well that season would have gone, and that was the catalyst for it. I mean, if we lose, if we lose that first game one nil at Bournemouth, it's a bit of a flat start because yeah. that's a, a game that you'd hope to get something from yeah. to kickstart a season. But then that would tails up then going into the Palace home game, which which we might not have approached with the confidence that we did. Should should it have not happened, like you say, it's yeah. such, it was such an important goal, and. The the celebrations were wonderful, but watching them back, poor Steve Watts gets <laughs> not the most complimentary angle of all Steve there, is it, when it's when it goes in? But yeah, the hot. I think it, as, as much as his goals, some of his celebrations have always been a highlight for me. Because he's, he's always had banter, or not more than banter with some clubs, but giving it the fat bastard thing to like Derby fans and, and things like that. I, he, he, I like the way he's always giving it back to other, other team supporters as well. I like the angry interviews like about Derby. I just don't like him. <laughs> I mean, like, let, let, let's have a right. one. He shouldn't like him for what they were singing. He's, he's a nasty, on the pitch, he's a nasty little fucker. Oh yeah. He, he has got, he's, got a, he's got a proper edge to him anyway, when he plays. You know, I mean, I've, I've I've seen a few games where he's been looking not to be sent off. You know, where he's he's kind of he's, he's ended up digging players off the ball, or he's ended up you know having a, having a swing at players when it's all got a bit. So he has, you know, he's he's um, he's, he's as game as you like when it comes down to that sort of thing. And it, and it, I think he's got better with that as he's got older. He's got better with being able to wind opposition players up and buy free kicks and kill kill games off, and that's. Kind of what his role evolved into, in it towards the end, he kind of came on. Yes, to nick you a goal, but also to, to to run the clock down, to knock the ball into the corner, and he sticks his arse into the centre half and buys you thirty seconds and buys you a free kick. His, his game really kind of evolved as he as he got older. Yeah, and I think the fact that like a lot of us wrote him off going into the Premier League, I think Wilder, considering if you look at who we signed, going and buying McBurney, Moussa uh, and Robinson, wrote him off going into the Premier League. Um, to then go on and didn't score loads in the top flight, but then he was, he's, him and Gibbs White last season were a great partnership. Mm. Um, if, you, if you look at it, he's had, uh, this is probably another angle to it, uh, how many 
strike partners as he had. There's very, I'm trying to think of any that didn't gel or didn't work. You know, you mentioned Hansen, Leon Clark, McGoldrick, McBurney. Doesn't really work with McBurney, but like that one, that's that's a stinking combo for me. But yeah, um, he's, he, I, I take the point, Beatty, McGoldrick, Hansen, the Gibbs-White combo, and also, you know, like being able to, being able to as a player who's renowned for being fox in the box, as Nigel Atkins used to, used to describe him, but like then adding that, right, well, I can't do what I did two years ago, so now I'm going to add this to my game. I don't know. I think, again, talk about character, that determination to like stay relevant because you know you've got, you're playing for your boyhood club. Like, a lot of people if in Charles' position would have reined it in and gone and had an easy life for a couple of years somewhere, but he's not. There have been teams in the MLS and stuff who would have had Sharp two or three years ago. And paid there were strong rumours, weren't there, a couple of yeah. years ago? And pay, him, and pay him significantly more than we've been paying him. Go and, he could have gone and linked up with Neil Collins at Tampa Bay Rowdies. So, yeah. That's a depressing thought. <laughs> well, he's keep bringing up bad... Oh. Anyway, people debate whether he's a bad player. I've got my view on that. Anyway. So, I guess bringing it sort of full circle to the end, and obviously the town hall, the town hall balcony, the the speech led by his mate Bash, which I thought, you know, the way the Bash kind of introduced it and speaks volumes of the you know the friendship and everything else. But what 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 does the club need to do for Billy Sharp? Is it statue is it naming a stand or part of the ground or the academy is it is it putting on a a big profile benefit match that is not necessarily for billy sharp but for local charities that gets a full house and some real focus and attention and positivity out of this because it has ended in a way that feels slightly negative and down we see yet the timing is right he's gone out on a high of promotion but equally is there a way we can round this off in a in a positive way for him at United? Well, I think I think a lot of the things you've just just suggested there, Ian. So, in terms of like landmarks, we're quite a way off. Hundred and fifty years, aren't we? Um, for yeah, we're, yeah, we're <laughs> we're about sixteen off that. Yeah, so like in terms of like. I don't know. At that point, it's 16 years is a long time, but they tend to do the best Sheffield United players of the last 150 years or whatever, and there'll be like a dinner and there'll be an awards ceremony. At that point, would be more logical to do something that's not like like not like token, but if people are thinking of like statues or Naming the naming an academy, naming a stand after a player, that would be a logical sort of time period for it. But I think having some high profile friendly, um, well, it should it should have already been organised. But unfortunately, we're run by fucking clowns at the moment, as and that's one of the reasons he didn't 
get a proper send off in front of the fans already. Um, Do you know it's interesting that send off in front of the fans? I was listening to Carlos Arba speak today, mm-hmm. and and he was saying Sharp, being the captain that he is, might not have wanted that. He might not have wanted a, a send off at the end of the season because it wasn't all about him. It was about what the team had achieved and that would have perhaps taken a little bit of shine away from the rest of the players. If play, if we knew that Sharp was going before the season had finished, it might have taken a bit of shine off. And it's a really interesting point that I hadn't considered at all. But we, we talk about what we should do for him and, and to, to honour him, so to speak. At the very least, put the fucking flag back up because that doesn't take much doing. No. Yeah, that's got to be the minimum, hasn't it? Yeah, I would have thought so. But a benefit game of some sort almost feels like a no-brainer. And it, and it wouldn't be just an opportunity to say say bye to Sharp. It would be O'Connell. We talked about Ender Stevens before. And th- there's other players that have gone in the last few years. That team, the wilder team, so to speak. Some of those players, Duffy, we never really got to say goodbye to. Coots, obviously, it didn't end well. Freeman, it, it, I think that would be a really nice way to cap off a, a period that's been up there with as exciting as it's ever been in my lifetime watching the club. Yeah. yeah, I think you're bang on, Phil. And maybe if we do get a new owner and there isn't sort of the politics involved that there currently would be, there could be something like a Billy Sharps 11 versus a Chris Wilder 11 or something and all those players. Um, and, you know, it could be a real like the ultimate day for the fans. And it doesn't even have to be part of, say, like a like a pre-season schedule. You could do it at the end of a season just to, you know, like a bit of a... Because I, I think that's how they did the Dane Whitehouse one. It was in, like, mid-June, I seem to remember, when Warnock came on. Uh, yeah. But, like, yeah, I, I think something like that in the short term and then long term... I think, do you know what, long-term, that idea of, of the academy... The academy, yeah. To make it's it, to absolutely make it, ideal. To make it aspirational. He's, to, he's, he's inspired a generation kids, of this kids. Is what, this is what you can be. 100%. And don't, th- there's been better players that have come through our academy, clearly. Kyle Walker won the European Cup this week. Yeah. Harry Maguire, Caps for England, so on and so forth. But Billy Sharp did it and the lived story. the dream. Yeah. Yeah, he lived the dream for the club. And it, again, it just almost feels like an easy win and no-brainer that the club perhaps will miss out on if they don't do something. I had an argument with a Wednesday fan this week who said Kyle Walker needs to wind his neck in. He didn't even start in the European Cup final because he was injured. Is why he didn't start. Ah, Pep doesn't rate him anymore anyway. Okay, all right, cool. Of course he doesn't. And like anyone who wins the European Cup should be told to ride the fucking neck in. You've won the Champions League. You've won everything in football. And Did I see that claiming Kevin De Bruyne now? Because he's got a Wednesday shirt on or something. Oh, What's that all about? I think somebody assaulted him and then made him wear that Wednesday shirt. Um, and it wasn't then... even a proper Wednesday shirt. It was some mock-up thing. It was Glenn... As soon as I said it was Glenn Leuven's knows him. It was Leuven's who did it. Right. Oh. Another another legend of the modern game who achieved so much at Hillsborough. That's the real quiz. That's the quiz. <laughs> you've got new, you you we've got one of the best players in the world. You've not even 
you might have had academy player, but Glenn Lubin's his mate wore the shirt. It's like when Semedo and Ronaldo went on holiday together that time, and it was sort of like, oh, it means it means that we're better than you because Ronaldo knows one of our players. Mm. Uh, uh, weirdos. Get <laughs> <laughs> out. That noise, John. I think this heat's getting to us. Getting to it. Well, I don't know. I had, I saw some of the great unwashed on Saturday, and they were quite honest. I was like, "That's an old new level of jammy fuckery." Getting promoted in that situation, and my mate Ads was like, "Yeah, it's uh, that's quite the achievement, isn't it?" And I was like, "Yeah, it wouldn't happen to any other football club in the world." That, but less said about that. We don't really need to talk about the championship anymore. No. So, indeed. <laughs> So how do we how do how do we round off talking about Billy Sharp? I think it's just hammering home the point that I started us with. He's the as a fan, and as we all are fans, he he lived every inch of the dream. Everything about being a fan of a club and wanting to play for that club, he achieved it, and then his achievements just kept coming and coming and coming, and. He's one of the greatest, if not the greatest player we've ever had. And it's a it's a proper. I know this sound this sounds wrong, but it's a proper fan story. This is not like David Beckham winning the championship, winning the the Champions League with Man United. You know, he's he's a he's a Cockney, and he'd support Man United from afar. This is someone who was brought brought up in 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 the city, supported him from being a boy. He was his local club. He came to watch. You know, he watched us week in week out. It's a proper. It doesn't get any more fairy tale for want of, like I said, not trying to oversell it than that. Really, I think for everything we said at the start, the fact that he had two false starts with United in many respects, you know, still mm. wrong, scored goals, but probably didn't do what he was doing for other clubs, adds to that story for me. The the the, the kind of redemption arc over this last. Six, well, he seven became years. A, he became a bit of a journeyman, didn't he? He was on loan here, there, and everywhere, and couldn't really yeah. find a home. And then he he did come home. If, and, if, he, hadn't, if he hadn't come home, he'd have been talked about now in the same breath as like Jonathan Fort or something like that. You know, a decent kid that came through our academy and never really made it. Whereas now, this third spell has elevated him to absolute icon status. That just reminds me of Jonathan Fort's second spell, though. Jesus Christ, when he was brought in to, to, to plug the hole left by uh, by Ched. In that first, that's an unfortunate that's, turn, that's of an phrase, unfortunate turn of phrase, John. <laughs> only if you're... Only if you're, um, only if you're <laughs> oh, dear. If that's your disposition. Um, gosh. Was that uh, the same time we had Ben Doan? Is he coming back? Very good. We've just done Billy Sharp a massive discredit by <laughs> sending into complete and utter nonsense as usual, but it's fine. Um, I mean, it seems if it was any other two players, I think taking like an hour and 20 minutes, an hour and a half to talk about him might be considered to be overkill, but... Um, I think you could we could carry on talking about Billy Sharp memories until and until the sun comes up. He's he's lived the dream that we all have, and he's 
for me, he's probably going to be... Is Shag Susanna Hoffs? Don't know who that is. That was my dream when I grew up. I don't know about you. Lead <laughs> singer of the Bangles, John, if you need to look it up. Was she, eternal flame. In, was she the one who was in Total Recall? Oh. So the woman who's got three boobs in the original Total Recall is <laughs> a member of the Bangles. No. She may well be, but that wasn't Susanna Hoffs. Now, if you haven't ever watched Total Recall, <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not seeing things. They're three, um, but yeah. If anyone's still listening that can confirm that, please let us know. <laughs> oh, she's very lovely. Yeah, only two tits though. Only two. <laughs> Plenty, as opposed to the four on here at the minute. <laughs> But I was yeah. about to reference the previous references to Jordan Stewart and Jay McEvely, but anyway. <laughs> oh, God, there's an abundance of tits at the end of the show. The entire left-hand side of the uh, the League One era. Uh, well, the Marcus Williams special is coming out in a few weeks. Uh, Ian's in a depth of Googling currently, so we're going to go off air before it gets to... I'm just reminding myself, because I was with Dan. Not with Dan, literally, but I was like... <laughs> Susanna Hoffs yeah. was circa 1985. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't born. But there we are. Um, it's obviously always good to catch up with you for The World Cup squad is thoroughly growing. and 14 players now. Not bad. Uh, not bad. And if we can get it done before the season, um, we can think of a new fun feature for next season. But it's always been a pleasure, and I, I don't think Billy Sham, Jack O'Connell are listening to this, but I'd just like to thank them for everything they've done with Sheffield United. It's the two of the best players we've ever had, and I feel real fortunate that got to watch so many of the games they played for us and enjoy so much of the success they, they brought. 100%. Absolutely. Hope the blades. Hope the blades.